ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. Hello, I'm Jonathan Webb with another special summer bonus episode here in the Science Show podcast feed. It's Science Extra, and I'm looking back on the year in technology news with a few of the top-shelf tech nerds from my team in the science unit. I'm joined by our tech reporter, James Pertill. G'day, James. Hey, JW. Our social media producer and guru, Sophie Lee. Hi, Sophie. Hey. And science and tech reporter, Jack Ryan. Howdy, Jack. Hello, mate. So, we couldn't really talk about tech news in 2023 or news generally in 2023 without touching on AI from chat GPT, writing poems and medical exams and essays. Lots of chatter about AI taking our jobs, if not our very existence on the planet. James, it was such a big story. You made a whole podcast about it. What was the most surprising part of all of the fuss about AI from your perspective? What I learned from that podcast was AI isn't going to take over the world, but it probably is going to take over the economy, or at least the AI companies are. And the future that was spelled out to me was quite mundane and plausible, uh, in which we use... AI technology that is kind of similar to what we have right now, ChatGPT and so on, but it's sort of integrated everywhere into our lives and it's a huge amount of wealth that just flows into Silicon Valley. So we all use it a little bit or a lot and a few people make a lot of money out of it. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think it's going to be super intelligent or anything like that. It might even be pretty bad, but it's going to be quite useful and it's going to make us more productive. Uh, Jack, you've seen AI used in the workplace, in your workplace, your previous one. <laughs> are we going to go there, are we, j um, well, Yeah, I have. People are talking about which jobs are on the line and journalists spend our lives you know, writing words and writing words famously is something that the computers are getting pretty good at. So are the jobs on the line? Yeah, uh, they definitely are. Um, I think that you know, having seen firsthand what can happen in a newsroom when the editorial team is not aware of some of the AI being used and then also when readers aren't aware. I mean, that's what this is really about for me. It's this breakdown of trust between the writer and the reader if we're not disclosing how those stories are written. So do I feel fear? Yeah, I think so. I was sceptical at first and now I think it's way more likely that now I can do my job than I felt perhaps the day ChatGPT was released. Interesting. What has changed? Because one thing I've heard said is that journalists maybe aren't going to be the first on the block because we deal with news, the clues in the name. It's stuff that hasn't necessarily been written yet. But maybe if you're more in the kind of interpretive, like you're not writing something that literally hasn't happened yet, you're translating, interpreting, synthesising, maybe those are the jobs that are going to be... Yeah, for me, the big journalism jobs that are under threat are not people calling up or like doing FOI requests. Like, my God, I'd love an AI to do the FOIs for me, (laughs) of course, but that's not going to happen anytime soon. But what will happen, I think, is that these explainer articles, these articles that are designed to get people to click through on Google, that is the stuff that will rapidly drop away from a journalist's, and I have that in air quotes, remit and move over to an artificial intelligence and write like articles. What is a credit card? I mean, we all know what a credit card is, but some people don't. And some people will Google that question. Let's give that to the AI. Yeah, I know what you mean. There's something I've thought as well is that, James, you kind of touched on this. You're Googling it because you want the answer, but it doesn't have to be beautiful. It doesn't have to be immensely original. 
Similarly, I don't know, real estate ads or other sorts of marketing copy, like AI is going to maybe help those to be produced quicker and more cheaply, and maybe that's fine. But maybe we want to know that it's being used, and maybe we want, we want it disclosed as well that it's being used in those places. I guess it's those articles where it's, well, why not just get the AI to write it and see if anyone clicks on it? There's, there's nothing to lose there, really. But I feel like the sort of theme that comes out through 2023, and, and it's what you've touched on, Jack, is, is the hubris. It's the arrogance or it's the idea that the AI is going to do a good job and it might be an editor that doesn't know how the AI actually works and they deploy these systems, then it screws up. And I think there's a lot of things going on there, but partly it's this mythology around AI that we think it's actually intelligent. And 2023 was at least the year where a lot of systems were deployed and they kind of came unstuck very publicly. Like one example is driverless cars in San Francisco, but there's lots of other ones too. I think overall 2023 was the year that we kind of realized big tech, especially AI, big tech companies, just deployed the stuff without much thought. And in some ways that's beneficial because if you put a lot of guardrails up, perhaps you stifle innovation a bit, but the kind of like unchecked development and deployment will have to be reined in somewhat in 2024. Otherwise we're looking at scenarios where we do see jobs disappear much more quickly than we probably expected. And James, you mentioned that the car experiment came unstuck. If people haven't seen that, what happened? You know, driverless cars have been told they've been coming for years, since at least the 2010s. They didn't really come, didn't really arrive. Then 2023, Google, another company, Cruise, they say, they're here, we're going to roll them out in San Francisco. It's a big event, August 2023. They launched these robo-taxis are driving around the city. Then they just start crashing in pretty spectacular ways. They drive into wet cement. They crash into fire trucks. They stop in the middle of the street. You know, then there's this very tragic incident where a woman was driven over and dragged under a driverless car, and that precipitated San Francisco regulators banning crews from the city. So, in the space of about a month, driverless cars launched, and then they were banned. So they're no longer, as we record, they're no longer rolling around San Francisco. Okay, so it's complicated. Google, which is Waymo, it's a company for driverless cars, they're still operating in San Francisco and they've got a much better safety record than Cruise. So actually, for them, they might say, look, it's been a success. But I think in the public's eye, there's been a loss of trust. So Sophie, you've mm. seen these stories roll out on our social media mm. platforms through the year. What's the reaction been like and has it changed? I think so. I think at the beginning it was a bit more like, oh, like it's coming and then, oh, yeah, I'm starting to use it more in my day-to-day -day life. And then now it's just like, eh, yeah, it's part of every day-to-day -day life. <laughs> yeah, there's been definitely a shift from like when ChatGPT was kind of like dominating the conversation probably at the end of 2022. And now it's just, it's not the big, oh, it's coming. It's, that's here. And people are using it. And I know in newsrooms, it's a bit more weighted there, but for social media producers, like that job is never done. Having AI as an actual tool to help people, it's really great there. Because a lot of them will be using it for moderation. They'll be using it for content generation where there'll be captions, text-based posts where you can just chuck it in and they'll just generate five of them that you can just schedule out. Being used more as a tool, but even with moderation though, there's still issues around that especially who is teaching the machines and what does it consider as bias. So what will we consider offensive material versus not? That's where AI kind of falls down. You do need human moderators to step back in just to go, actually, wait, <laughs> this is not problematic at all. Why are you hiding or 
deleting this comment. Important things to get right <laughs> and things which tech companies have not got a great record of getting right. No. Exactly. James, you even covered a story where it wasn't just part of their everyday life at work. People had gotten pretty used to the company of AIs, if not fallen in love with them. <laughs> yeah, artificial intimacy, which is a phrase we're probably going to hear more of. Another phrase is ghost bots. So that's um, a similar thing. It's where people make chat bots from the sort of message remains of their dead relatives and uh, or friends and then are able to converse with them sort of in their afterlife, if that makes sense. Amazing. Wow. So that's how the technology kind of began. It rapidly, as often happens on the internet, became all about erotic role play. So um, <laughs> You can always trust the internet to do that, can't you? Yeah. It's like a uh, space of a couple of months. Uh, there was one company called Replica. They had this quite amazing chatbot that was, you know, really good at being a sort of virtual girlfriend or boyfriend or whatever. And in February, they, without really any warning, suddenly changed the operating system, the sort of AI behind these chatbots, and essentially it sort of lobotomized, that's the word that users said, their girlfriends and boyfriends and so on. Wow. And just just hard reset the whole hard, personality. Yeah, and it also, which was, you know, much more traumatic for them, it sort of suddenly made them not want to engage in the erotic role play. So it felt like they were being rejected by their virtual partner. And yeah, it was just a decision made by Replica that they didn't want to be a part of that market anymore. And users revolted, they went to other platforms and so on, and eventually Replica reintroduced the erotic role play. But I guess it shows the danger of, I guess, outsourcing intimacy to a private corporation. Well said. And it comes back to trust again, doesn't it? The same problem that you mentioned with the driverless cars. Huge issue in the whole AI game. If we zoom out a bit to other stories, quickly rattle through a few others that were big this year. Are we back in the 1960s, Jack? Because there seems to be a lot of people racing each other to the moon again. Yeah, uh, this year's been pretty big for the new moon race, I guess you, you would say. Russia tried to land at the South Pole, failed. India tried to land at the South Pole, succeeded. Uh, yeah, that was huge. Which was, a, which was a really big moment, especially for a country that had previously failed to reach the moon with a similar mission. I think the big question that came out of that was like, why are we going to the South Pole? And there's a couple of different reasons. I mean, one, it's always nice to be the first person to a new place and really that India achieved that. But also there's this notion that perhaps we can get resources on the moon uh, and particularly we might be able to get even water. And um, the, the South Pole is a place where water is expected to be. And I think actually even confirmed now, JW might even, I think NASA has, has actually said like, nope, there's definitely yeah, water in, there the, in different in, forms. In those permanently shady Shattered parts reasons, or yes. even in, I think embedded in crystals under yes. the surface. Yeah. Yes, that's right. And so... I think um, with India's success, you know, the focus has swung back around to the moon a little bit, especially ahead of the Artemis missions that NASA are going to run. And, of course, these missions are uh, planning to put a, the first woman on the moon, uh, I think by 2025, date pending, and the second flight of Artemis where astronauts will fly around the moon, and I, I believe, in fact, further than we've ever flown before in terms of human spaceflight. If we bring our attention back to Earth, wow, this is a slightly tortured segue, and look from the moon back to the sun, James. Oh, Sol that's nice. Solar tech is, has also been big this year, and it's such a big deal here in Australia with our energy transition, and it's something you've looked at a lot over the years, but 2023 it was yes. sort of getting even bigger. So this is a story 20 years in the making, but it's sort of come to a head in 2023 
We now have 3.5 million homes with rooftop solar. That's happened in two decades. 20 gigawatts of generating capacity. That's seven times the largest coal-fired power plant. It's huge. Amazingly, we need five times more by 2050 to reach our targets. So that's going to be huge. It creates two problems. One is there just isn't the consistent demand for all the other kind of utility scale, wind and solar generating um, infrastructure. So the solar farms and wind farms, they, you know, the, sometimes the price goes negative. So actually the price of power in the grid is negative and that creates a real problem for investors, right? So, the other problem... Sorry, explain that again. So we've got, we've got loads and loads of solar on lots of people's rooftops, like more than anywhere else, but yep. we need to incentivize people to do the more industrial scale. Yeah, so there's so much power being generated on rooftops on, on a clear, bright day that there's way more supply of electricity than there is demand. So in the middle of the day, the price actually goes negative. So if you're a wind farm, you've got to essentially stop exporting to the grid on, right. at that time. So we need somewhere to put all this power that's being generated. Is that We need somewhere to challenge? put it. And then we also need to be able to um, orchestrate the grid. We need to be able to turn off people's solar panels on their roofs when there's too much power so that the grid doesn't get too congested. And it's already happening. It's happening in South Australia and WA and Queensland, where the Central Power Authority can turn off people's rooftop solar. And that's causing a bit of a problem amongst many rooftop solar owners because this is what they've paid for. And now the state is stepping in and turning it off. So is that a necessary part of the transition that we just have to have to live with that? Or is it? Is there a better idea out there that's just more expensive, like totally revolutionising the grid so that there's somewhere to yeah. store that energy? So I'd say what with the course of emergency shutoffs, that's kind of a stepping stone towards the next model of the grid, which is something called flexible export limits. And that's where the state can step in and actually finally tune how much you're exporting to the grid at all times. Yeah, a huge transition just getting underway. There's one final big story that I I think we've probably all got a view on, but Sophie, you work in the social media space and one particular social network uh, has been through a bit of the ringer this year. It doesn't even have the same name that it used to. What happened to Twitter? So it got rebranded to X after Elon Musk had that exceptionally epic takeover um, in the end of 2022. And a year on, it hasn't really done great. (laughs) They're like losing 15% of users per month. Ad revenue is down 54%. They brought in, what is it, paid premium where you could get ticked and every official account was (laughs) de-ticked. Like it was a lot happening. Um, But if you paid, your stuff would get promoted more in the algorithm. So it's just becoming a giant echo chamber. People left in droves. Including the ABC, we shut down or stopped posting on yeah. most of the ABC's official accounts. Sport and news, I think. Sport and the, news, the, yeah. The, yeah, it's been interesting just seeing that all go down. And then Threads tried their tech, which is um, Instagram's version of their text-based platform. Yeah, Threads popped up. Blue Sky was sort of already ticking along. There's all these other sort yeah. of potential options, but none of them seems to have got that much traction. No, so Blue Sky, it's quite exclusive. You need an invite only. I think Mastodon's the other one. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Mastodon's this kind of grassrootsy, yeah. decentralised model. Yeah. The one thing that annoyed me about the threads thing, and this is such a silly thing, but like Meta is huge, Facebook is huge, Instagram is huge. Don't report on the fact that there's 50 million signups 
in the first week or whatever. Of yeah. course there are. Because when I go on Instagram, it tells me, sign up for threads right now. Just click this button. Yeah. That's not a sign up. That's not organic. And I think like one of the things that happened early with threads is people were like, threads is taken off. And it's like, no, it's just that people are clicking on it because it's attached to another yeah. app that's very popular. It had the biggest drop off to the point where you look at it compared to where X is. And while X is still having a drop off, compared to the deep dive that Threads had and to the point where people actually forgot it existed. <laughs> like yeah. Thread but, was like, because of that plug into Instagram, it was very easy to try, but then yeah. not many people stuck with it. And I think part of the reason was because they were like, oh, we're not going to do politics. We're going to keep it really like simple. And I think that was kind of the interesting thing about Twitter or X. People were reacting real time to live events and you don't really have that kind of vibe on threads. It just lost its authenticity. Mm. And I think that's what people are thriving on social media now. People are kind of off a lot of the influencers a lot of the time. They don't trust the big media companies and the news organisations on there or they're not interested as much on social, but they trust personalities and they like the authenticity that even the everyday punter will do a hot take on TikTok, say. So it's the authentic communicators exactly. that are coming through. Because, yeah, and half the time, like, you're on TikTok. People are just doing hot takes from their car. Yeah. It's not even. And they're not even that hot. They're actually like <laughs> lukewarm at best, but it lukewarm, seems like. Lukewarm but sincere takes. They are sincere. And the other <laughs> thing about TikTok is, like, we'll write a story here at the ABC That'll be their lukewarm take, even though we've already written it three months ago. Uh, c- come on, guys. Can we just, just credit your sources? That's all I'm saying. At, at least they're a human and it's not being done by an AI. As far as we know, JW. Yeah. As far as I we mean, know. and that's the other thing. It's like with AI, who knows? Because more people try to use it to make content. Yeah. And then, you know, deepfakes has always been an issue. But with the information wars on social media at the moment, <laughs> let's see how we go. <laughs> We just, it was just trying to wrap up the conversation and Sophie Lee brought up deep fakes, which we do not have time <laughs> to explore, sadly. Thank you very much for joining me to wrap up the year in tech. Sophie Lee, our social media producer, Jack Ryan, science and tech reporter, and James Pertell, you should check out Science Friction Hello AI Overlords if you haven't already. Thanks, everyone. Thank you, my Thank friend. Thank you. Thank you. That's it for this bonus summer download of The Science Show. Robin Williams will be back next with our regular episode and then you'll hear from me again looking back on 2023 in health news with some of RN's top medical brains. Catch you then. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.